0: Welcome everybody, I'm Jonathan Hedges and this is Triple R Wrestling Rankings, Reviews, and Rewind. So, uh, for this week's episode, we're going to be reviewing Monday Night Raw from last night and talking about how the Wrestlemania card is shaping out a couple weeks away, so we'll get into that. For our rankings, since it was announced that before Raw the main event will officially be the women's triple threat match with ronda rousey (laughs) becky lynch and charlotte and for the raw women's championship we are going to do a ranking of the greatest women's matches according to me of all time and this is going to be going off of uh, wwe pay-per-views NXT TakeOver events, and then I have some of the May Young Classic matches in there from a couple years ago. There's a lot of really good ones, so I kind of have them all mixed in there. And then for a review, um, I'm going to be reviewing, uh, it was a match between Tensuya Naito and Kota Ibushi from the New Japan Cup. It was a first round match. It aired on Access uh, about last Friday, and but that happened in real time. It happened a couple weeks ago. The uh, tournament actually just finished. Um, but that was a first round match and that was great. And it's just the, uh, the latter part of the match. I kind of started right in the middle. I had the idea to do a a match review for each of the shows, which I'm going to do. And then I'll, um, also let you know when I start it if it's on the network or something like that, so you can watch along with. So I just kind of did a quick impromptu watch along at the end of that match, just to kind of test it out. And I've already got it in the chamber, so I'm just going to throw it on the end of this. Um, just to get a little sense of the the structure of the show a little bit. We're still getting there. I'm still gonna um edit it and tweak and add more stuff and whatever. I just want to kind of get something out there and at least so you guys can for the most part just get my knowledge and my take on the events in wrestling now and in the past. So just kinda want to show myself that way and then I'll get to the editing. And everything else as we go along and a little more of a structure and other things like that. So, um, yeah, that's going to be this week's show. So hang in there. All right. And we're going to talk about Monday Night Raw. Um, I'm not going to exactly like review like hold for hold and everything and quotes and stuff. Exactly what happened in in, uh, the, the TV show reviews because... I assume that you watched it, and it'll at least not... And even if you want to go back and watch it, it won't tell you exactly what's happening. But basically just going to talk about bullet points and then kind of go off of that and then lead into the WrestleMania stuff too for this time period. So we'll see how that goes. And so uh, Raw was in Boston, Massachusetts, and it started off with Ronda Rousey, who... Came out to probably one of her best reactions that she gotten, And by that I mean is she's got some huge pops and she's gotten booed here and there. But this was the classic Roman and Cena, um, like, dual cheers and boos at the same time. It was loud because everyone was trying to um, get their reaction over everybody. And that's why they never turn Roman and Cena, because they like that reaction. That that's That's the loudest reaction you can get when everybody's kind of going at it, dueling back and forth and everything. So... That was one of the first times where I kind of heard both sides of that for Ronda. So that was a pretty good response when she came out. And uh, so she was in the ring and she kind of soaked it in for a while. And I said to myself, just say it and walk away. And she did. She just said after a minute or two of the crowd um, reacting for her, she just said, you're welcome and dropped the mic. And you're welcome uh, alluding to that the women's match is the main event at WrestleMania this year. So obviously with her name, she's going to take credit for that and goes with the character. So I thought that was great. And I was kind of hoping that was going to be it, but she picked up the mic and said a couple more things. And it was a little silly, but I think it was supposed to that she kept dropping the mic and picking it up and saying, Oh, I have something else to say. So I thought that was actually pretty good. If she would have just ended with a year of welcome, that'd have been great. And, but, um, Becky came out next and she got a great reaction uh, the women all got really good reactions here. Uh, the, uh, you know, the storyline has been well documented. It's had its ebbs and flows. It, it peaked out way early and, you know, and it started a long time ago. So credit to them for even having material getting this far. And you can see they really were reaching for stuff to keep this angle hot and everything. So it kind of petered out a little while ago. And this kind of got a little back on track. All this stuff was pretty short and sweet nothing too crazy, no suspensions, no injuries, no, you know, dropping the titles and not being in this match and whatever, you know, all the stuff that happened. So everything was pretty, everyone had their little promos. Becky came out to a great reaction and was calling Rhonda Goofy and everything and just saying she wasn't relevant until she stepped in the ring with the man. So, um, she came off like a big star here. So it was pretty impressive, Becky, uh, this week. And then Charlotte came out. And, you know, she did her chosen one speech, which is good. That's definitely the side she needs to come at it as. And But she just still feels like shoehorned in here. It, it, I think this match is big enough to be just Ronda and Becky. And I understand Charlotte being in it. And I don't mind her being in it because she's really good. She always has great matches. You can count on her the most, especially in this big moment. So I have a lot of different options for that main event. So there's a lot of pressure to it. And that's why they want Charlotte in it. But she just... Still feels kind of meh like in this feud. And then even in the match, um, they did a beat the clock challenge versus the Riot Squad. Each of them fought a Riot Squad member. And usually those beat the clocks are for the Elimination Chamber or maybe the Royal Rumble or something, just to position pe- multiple people in a match you know, to get the advantage if you win. And this really didn't have any stakes to it, I guess, except for bragging rights. So um, if you want to say that, then that's fine. And it actually did work out pretty well for bragging rights because Becky would end up winning. Uh, she'd tap out Liv Morgan and, uh a couple seconds faster than Ronda got her victory. Charlotte didn't uh, get her victory, so or didn't beat any time. She didn't lose or anything, but that was good that they didn't beat all the members. Uh, Ruby Wright ended up not tapping out. so. But yeah, but... Uh, Becky won and she was kind of boasting about it so that made it feel like a big deal but as far as stakes there really wasn't much going on here so um, and as far as the Riot Squad and since this is you know my first shows and everything kind of get a little my take on a lot of the current product as we go along too. Um you know they're not winning very much. And that's okay because they're all pretty young. It's still a pretty new act, and um, I just think over time they're going to be developing this workhorse status. And you know they're always going to be out there every week. They'll um, probably always have matches on the house shows and everything. And you know as long as they stick around and keep chugging along, I think the fans are going to realize like, hey, these guys have been here, and they wrestle every week, and you know they they do what they can, and you know they got to. More of a hold on their characters. It kind of seemed random all the personalities in this group, but they've really come together. They seem like they're tight in real life. It sure seems like it. So I like them because I liked Ruby Riot. Um, you know, I like her look, and she's pretty solid. She's like a solid hand, and you know, might come as a slight, but she always had. If they put her in a match, if she's not relevant or she is, and you know, she really hasn't been too much, she still puts on a great performance and has entertaining matches. And, you know, makes you believe that she can win a match. So that's that's good work right there. And um, I, I really like Liv Morgan. She's won me over in the last year or so. Um, I didn't think very much of her in uh, NXT. She seemed like she still had a lot of work to do. I hated her theme song back then. But she at least has a character and knows who she is. And um, And then over time on Raw, she's just... Every time in her matches, she seems like she's the one who takes a huge bump... You know there was a couple incidents with Brie Bella back in the summer where she got a concussion and a couple other things happened and she was chugging along if it's the right move to do or not she's really tough you know she's pretty small and she takes you see either good at selling or she just really getting thrashed around there um, she's kind of like sasha banks on that level because sasha seems like she sells the best because it seems like she's really getting killed out there sometimes and if she is or just good selling she does good work and she does take a lot of big bumps, like in the elimination chambers and stuff like that. So, um, she's really impressed me. So they're gonna they're gonna come along in time, I think. So you know, it might might seem like they just job through, but they they worked with the main program at WrestleMania. So, um, they they see something in them. Um, after this was, uh, Finn Balor versus Bobby Lashley, and was supposed to be Leo Rush, but he. Uh, couldn't compete in the match because of Braun Strowman beating him up last week. So they replaced him with Jinder Mahal. And, you know, really wasn't thrilled about the initial match anyway, though I like Leo and like to see him wrestle. But as far as Jinder being in there, of course, that just kind of took me out of it and wasn't really into it too much. Uh, The crowd's always behind Finn, and that's the thing with him. You know, he's... Seems like he's in a, you know, in a pretty prominent spot sometimes, and other times it kind of seems like he's floundering away in the mid-card. But no matter what's going on, he gets big reactions every time. So I think that's got to be noted. And even in this, where you know really wasn't into it, I don't think too many people could get excited for it. But um, he was getting some pops, and they had the Singh brothers out there and Leo. So there was like a ton of people out there he was kind of warding off. So it kind of made him look pretty strong. He did a dive to the outside on all of them at one point and got in the ring and he uh, did the coup de grace to gender and he ended up winning the match. And therefore it's now official that he'll be taking on Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania for the intercontinental title. And, you know, nah, not too excited about seeing these guys wrestle again. They kind of already did. Lashley's just been He's been just kind of a dud. I mean, I, I want to get excited about him. I liked his work. His well, last year at Impact, he was really good on the mic and was being kind of the confident, cocky bully. And he's just, I don't know, he doesn't talk at all. And it's good because his material has not been very good that he has been given to. And, you know, he's wrestling these good guys. He's wrestled Roman and Seth and Finn, and he wrestled Sami Zayn, but it's just... And, you know, there are good matches here and there, but it's just hard to get excited about him. So a one-on-one match, that's nice. Finn gets a featured spot, um, but can't get too excited about the match. The only thing that could get me excited is if Finn came out as the Demon. So I think that's the question uh, going into the match. Is the match big enough for him to have the Demon? Does it even matter? Because we might need it to get some intrigue into this match, and then maybe it can be kind of a quick match since there's a lot of matches on the card. Um, otherwise, if he's not the demon, this could be a pre-show match and, um, I'd be tough to see that for Finn. I, you know, I'm not against pre-show matches because I've always argued that you actually get more time on the pre-show. So that, you know, the main pre-show matches usually get a nice 15 minutes. So, um, not the worst thing in the world, but you still want, still want Finn to be featured pretty well. He's got to be one of your top guys. So, um. Here's hoping there's a little a little more juice to that match. And um, throughout the show, we had Elias uh, singing outside in the drizzling rain in New York City. And he was just kind of promoting himself as the musical act for WrestleMania. And he did about three different segments, and they were pretty funny, actually, for the most part. He is pretty entertaining. Uh, you know, when he comes on and does his thing in the ring, it's a little redundant, a lot of it, so you know, it kind of lost his charm after last summer or so, but he's still, you know, pretty funny. And it seems like they let him go and be an improv a lot too. So I kind of like that about him, but um, I think these segments were good and it was in a different setting. So he was kind of outside on the street, just hyping himself up and playing a little bit. And there was a couple of funny segments with some pedestrians and someone putting change in his coffee. And that was that actually did make me laugh. They thought he was homeless and, a guy stealing his money and his guitar case uh, when he didn't even notice and so it was it was entertaining they were they were harmless so that was a good uh, good way to get Elias going there all right after that we had uh, the revival taking on Alistair Black and Ricochet and um, they had a really good match as they always do these guys have a ton of chemistry When the Revival have something to chew on and have a good opponent to go against is, you know, really, you can see it really inspires them. Um, Because they haven't really been featured very well, even though they're the tag team champions. And evidence here that they lost this match, and it seems like they haven't won very many matches at all, although they are the tag team champions. But they are keeping Aleister Black and Ricochet really strong. So that's definitely the positive there. They've made these guys look like stars, coming onto the main roster as a tag team. And I don't think that was supposed to happen initially. It seemed like that spot was going to be for uh, Gargano and Ciampa, but we know Ciampa had neck surgery, so I think they were supposed to be the tag team here, and Black and Ricochet were going to be featured on their own. So they kind of, on the fly, kind of made these guys a tag team. And although they're very opposite personality-wise and character-wise, you know, they're pretty great. Uh, have great chemistry as a team so it's been exciting though that's not exactly the way you kind of wanted to bring these guys up they're at least being featured and being shown to look pretty strong and the crowd's behind them they're having exciting matches so can't complain too much about that i think after wrestlemania maybe they'll split up or they could even win the tag team title so who knows we'll see if they want to keep going on with that (laughs) sorry um but yeah, it's uh, this could be a, um, a WrestleMania match. I guess we'll see. The card's really filling up. So it'd be amazing if these guys... I mean, TakeOver's already pretty full, but if these guys had a match at TakeOver, that'd be amazing because they'd get probably more time and the crowd would definitely be way more into it. All right, next we had uh, uh, Drew McIntyre come out and he called out Roman Reigns once again. He um, wants to wrestle him at WrestleMania. At the same time, he just wants him to tell him that he's unable to wrestle at WrestleMania. So he kind of wants to beat him up, but he kind of wants him to just cower out. But we know that's not going to happen. And um, Drew is pretty solid and fiery. Again, he's pretty believable. <clears throat> the only thing is the the leukemia, you know, using that as a heat is just, of course, it's working as heat because we're complaining about it and not liking it but and it, I mean you got to draw the line somewhere so it just doesn't do anything for me it's a total turn off at this point um, but Roman came out and uh, he was pretty short and sweet in his promo and he started beating up Drew they went at it but Drew uh, ended up having the advantage and he would leave Roman laying at the end of the segment and he's done that a few times now they've made Drew look really strong really feels like Roman's probably gonna win at media and that's fine he, he probably should but Drew has been really strong. He's one of their top guys, and I hope they keep keep at it with him and don't um, lose him in the shuffle again like when he was in all those tag teams. He doesn't need anybody. He's a strong heel on his own. So um, here's hoping after Mania. I can totally see him and Rollins rekindling. They've had a lot of matches uh, at the end of or early. They just had one last week or a couple weeks ago and uh, a lot at the end of last year so um they can always go back to that with the if Rollins wins a title there you got the main event feud right there next we had Sasha Banks taking on Natalia Sasha had Bailey of course with her they're the women's tag team champions and Natalia had Beth Phoenix at her side and i'm really happy to see Beth again uh she looks in tremendous shape and she looks like she's ready to come right back. Uh, I, I Edge can be at home with the kids and uh Beth's been uh <laughs> been coming out and doing commentary for uh all, some of the events and everything and she's kinda hung around and looked like she wanted to get back in the ring. She's in great shape and we got tag team titles and her and Natty were a tag team about ten years ago, so it all makes sense, great timing. And, um, so, uh, Natalia and Sasha had a, a match and didn't last too long until uh, Nia Jackson Tamina came out and interrupted. And that brought, uh, Beth in the ring and she got, uh, she got some moves in there. Um, she kind of tussled a little bit last week with Sasha and Bailey, but this time she got a little more moves in, even hitting the glam slam on Tamina. So good to see that she still got it. And, um, I welcome her back. It's pretty pretty exciting. So for WrestleMania, it's Sasha and Bayley versus Beth and Natty versus Nia and uh, Tamina and the Iconics on SmackDown. So that seemed like what was, what was setting up for for a while now. So now it's official. And that'll be good. That's a good way to get a lot of people on and have uh, some good tag teams going. So here's to that and after that was the moment of bliss segment with braun Strowman and the snl guys and i'm not really gonna dive into this one too much i like snl i like alexa bliss stroman's you know pretty hit and miss he's really come down a lot lately he was way more exciting last summer with him and roman were doing all their stuff and then it kind of got a little overkill and then they did the whole stuff when he was with drew and Ziggler, and that kind of brought him down a little bit and now he's kind of back in no man's land. Didn't never really beat Lesnar the whole time. So I don't know. It's kind of really been off course. So I could care less about all this stuff happening here. And um, so they're all going to be in the Andre Battle Royal. So that's what's happening. Speaking of other things I don't care about too much was a match with Baron Corbin versus Apollo Crews. Um Not much to say here. It was a few minutes long. Corbin ended up winning. Apollo beat him last week. So Corbin had to get his win right back and, Apollo's just a fringe raw guy right now. They kind of get him in the mix here. He gets a sneaky win here and there, but then they always get it right back on him. So it can, can never really build anything on that. So hopefully after Mania, maybe he can go to SmackDown or just some sort of change of scenery. Even if he went back to NXT, I think they need to filter guys back to NXT too. Kind of like an Apollo Cruise and Tyler Breeze and people you're not using. I mean, why not? That one time Tyler Breeze went back to, NXT, he wrestled Ricochet like a couple months ago, and he was treated like a huge star. And, you know, it's not gonna probably always be like that, but he still have a better chance to be in the mix down there than not doing anything on the main roster and maybe being frustrated and stuff. So, could you imagine if Cruz went down there and had matches with like Keith Lee and and Dominic Dijakovic and anyone else? I mean, that'd be amazing. And even if that was like mid card stuff, he doesn't have to go down there to be a right in the main event scene. So. I think they need to think about doing that so you know because i mean i like him but it's just there's just not much happening i know he doesn't have a ton of personality but come on he's a he's a specimen he's huge and you know i mean like muscle wise and he's super athletic and so you gotta find something for him put him in a tag team anything something get this guy going and corbin yeah i mean you got to make him look got to be able to beat cruz if he's gonna wrestle angle i guess so whatever um after that we had a promo from seth rollins pretty baby face promo um just he wants to be a champion that inspires the people was kind of his big thing he was saying he needed the fans help to get behind him and everything and so um pretty solid he's been doing pretty good and um so hammond came out after that uh right before he's doing his burn it down chant and Heyman retorted with a uh Uh, going on thoughts and prayers. He's like saying his generation just wants to go online and give everybody thoughts and prayers. And he was kind of mocking millennials, I suppose, there. And, And then that kind of cut into his promo using those words as, you know, the base for his promo about Lesnar. So saying that Rollins is going to need thoughts and prayers for what Lesnar is going to do to him. So it was pretty... Pretty good promo. Sometimes Heyman, he's always great, of course, but it seems like some of his stuff can be pretty redundant. But this was at least a little different. So I thought it was a pretty good promo between those two. That's about all you can do at this point. Um, You don't really have too much substance with Rollins and Lesnar, but it's still going to be a great match. After that, we had uh, Samoa Joe coming over from SmackDown to take on Kurt Angle on his retirement run. And um, I kind of like that they're doing this. I just kind of wish it was made a bigger deal and maybe started a little sooner. It seems like they're jamming everything in there now that we're a couple of weeks away. So we got guys coming over from SmackDown. Got Joe. Next week, Rey Mysterio is supposed to wrestle him on Raw, and then he's going to SmackDown to wrestle AJ. So he's wrestling all the right people he's had history with, but it just kind of seems rushed and everything. So, um, And Angle is really just really worn down, and it's tough. I I still you know, don't mind seeing him in there kind of fishing off Um, This run here, and that's kind of good. He's deciding to retire and at least kind of trying to make a big deal out of it. Um, But as far as this match, they immediately did a callback from when Joe and Angle wrestled in TNA. When Angle debuted in TNA, him and Joe kind of got face to face in the ring. And Angle headbutted Joe, and he made him bleed. He like legit headbutted him, and they brawled, and it was a great. It's one of their best moments, so it's a pretty famous moment. And then him and Joe would have some great matches. Angle's first year in TNA, so uh, they got face to face in this match, and Joe headbutted Angle, and that was great. And when they were face to face, I was I was wanting it. I thought about it, and then it happened. So that was that was really good, really good callback. Um, and all right, little match, you know, there's only so much Angle can do. And he ended up winning, um, kind of cradling Joe when Joe had Angle in the Coquina Clutch. So, you know, yeah, you know, you want Angle to win. You don't want to lose all these matches. But at the same time, Joe is just, he, he doesn't seem to win very many matches. Um, although he's still positioned pretty well. And even with all the losses, he still seems like a badass and can win any match. So doesn't hurt him too much. Just one of those things. Then after this uh, was Triple H's promo. He it was kind of a weird, goofy promo at first. You kind of couldn't tell if he was being serious, Triple H or NXT Papa Triple H or or CEO. Well, and they all kind of blended together, and it came out to this kind of weird, goofy, kind of promo where he's joking about Batista, and he had a letter he was reading from Batista about the stipulation of the match and he got stuck in his jacket and he's having a hard time getting it out. He said he's jobbing to the jacket. <laughs> so, I mean, that was kind of funny, but it's like, what is happening? Um, read the promo. He said Batista wants him to put his career on the line and he was quoting his promo from a couple of weeks ago when Batista kept yelling, give me what I want and was spitting all over the microphone. So they kind of had a call back to that. He was joking. There was a meme that came out did a cut of Batista's promo and it was to the Spice Girls if you want to be my lover and and just doing Give Me What I Want. And he was kind of reading the lyrics from that. So that was actually kind of funny that they recognized that and kind of jumped on onto that. But it was an alright promo from Triple H. Um So him and Batista now. Triple H loses. His career's over. And if Batista loses, I guess it don't matter. I think this is his last match anyway. So... I don't know. It really doesn't seem like triple H is going to lose. And it's weird having him in a like retirement deal as well as angle is, but this one, it just does not feel very natural. Well, it's kind of hard to get into. I think the match will still be good, but I don't know. That promo was weird. And the main event was drew McIntyre versus Dean Ambrose and uh, Dean uh, McIntyre's promo earlier. He talked about squashing, uh, Ambrose a couple of weeks ago and that was a great match. They had a brawl. Um, it was Falls Count Anywhere. It kind of went around the arena and ended up on the stage and McIntyre did a Claymore kick while Ambrose's head was like in a like in a guard railing and it broke off and it was a really good angle and I thought that was going to kind of be it. And Ambrose kind of disappeared backstage and challenged him again and so they had a last man standing match. So it was just like I don't know. I wasn't really into it too much because they had the much better match last week that kind of seemed like the definitive finish. So, But um, Ambrose would, or McIntyre would win again. And that was that. So um, not too bad addition of Raw. It was, you know, the in-ring matches... You know, They're never as good on Raw as they are on the other shows, so this is more just setting up Mania again. Kind of a lot of promos, and some are good, some are bad. It was just a pretty hit-and-miss episode of Raw, in my opinion. Alright, and now it's the portion of the show where we're going to do our rankings. And today's rankings are going to be uh, my top women's matches of all time. Now, this goes for WWE pay-per-views, NXT takeovers, and the May Young Classic tournament. Um, I didn't include television matches from Raw, SmackDown, or NXT TV. Um, I know there's a handful out there that would definitely be on this list. You have uh, uh, Beth Phoenix and Mickie James. Uh, they had a title match. I believe it was one of the London Raws. And um Sasha and Charlotte had a couple title matches that made a raw that were really good there I think they had like a false count anywhere submission count anywhere match, and that was really good. The Trish and Lita one from the uh end of raw in two thousand three where Lita almost broke her neck and had that great match you know so there I know there's a handful of them out there, kind of hard to compile all of those and from memory and such so um I have uh, I have a lot of top lists that I've compiled over the years. You know, I have my, like, you know, all pay-per-view matches. I have an NXT match list. And so, you know, I kind of have the women's. And I have those grouped in with all the men's matches, too. So I kind of took those out of those lists. And, and then I ranked uh, just the women's matches. And that's what we're going to do right here. So I have over 20 of them. And we'll, you know, go into a little bit more detail with the top 20s. But, um... <clears throat> I will uh still go over my notable ones that yeah, that I had on my list uh just outside the top 20. Um This one was from uh Survivor Series 1995 and it was uh a Lunder Blaze's team going against Birth of team. Now, I know that sounds like a pretty random one that you probably don't remember. I actually didn't remember it very well myself. Um I just Kind of came back to this match a couple years ago when I rewatched it. You know, I can't remember watching this event too many extra times. Uh, The only thing, you know, that I quickly remember from it was uh, Bret Hart versus Diesel. They main evented and had a title match that was really good and had a crazy table spot, one of the early table spots I remember when Diesel sent Bret Hart off the apron through a table. That looked pretty brutal. So, you know, when I rewatched it, I didn't. I mean, this match didn't register at all, but, so, you know, Londra Blaze is the women's champion, and she's their best one by far. Not too many uh, women on the roster around this time period, so it was kind of tough to showcase her a lot. And uh, Bertha Faye was this big girl that was managed by Harvey Wiffleman, and she kind of dressed all crazy and everything, and she wasn't too bad. She was pretty big, and... You know, it was a little bit of a jokester and stuff. So, I mean, I don't remember too much from this match. But what made this match really was that they're in a Survivor Series match and they all had uh, Japanese women on their team. Each had three different Japanese women, one of them being Asia Kong. She's the only other one I I really knew. And all the other women were great, but she was especially great. And I was just, I was really blown away by this match because those women were doing all kinds of modern moves. That we'd see kind of nowadays a lot of suplexes and spinning back fists and such um there really wasn't much going on back then so that one really surprised me when i went back to that next one um we got i'll do these i'll do these three together right here they're all from the may young classic from 2016. so first was was kairi sane versus shana Baszler, and that was uh, the finals of the first may young classic and that was A pretty good match. The only reason that suffered actually had the lowest of the tournament matches that I have on my list is because it was on uh it was after a smackdown and it just didn't have that energy that the full sale crowd gives. Um, it was after a smackdown and I'm sure not too not too many people we've seen it with the NXT call ups and stuff. Not everybody who goes around SmackDown know the NXT people, especially these two who this was the first time they were really seen was in this tournament that was on the WWE Network. So it was a good match and it did, you know, the crowd wasn't totally dead. It just didn't have that same vibe that it did at Full Sail. But these other ones did. Uh, before that was Kari Sane versus Bianca Belair. That was a second round match in the tournament. And now this was Bianca Belair's breakout performance. You know, you could see that she had some charisma and some swagger for sure and all you know right out of the gate she's a rookie but she was very impressive in this match i just remember her that's busting out all her power moves and doing a 450 and everything and i you mean know, it was this match that really you know made me keep her on my radar and she's definitely been uh coming through in the last few years and then Candace LeRae and Shayna baszler they had a quick little match in the quarterfinals. It was probably only like five or six minutes long, but it was great. There was a lot going on in it. Candace Olay came out flying right away, did some dives early on, and it was really good. She um was going for a finisher. She does kind of a a neck breaker off the top rope, a spinning neck breaker. They're both standing on the rope, but Shayna countered it in midair, right into her choke or Karafuda clutch. And I just thought that was such a great finish. Uh, they both came down on their back, and Sheena locked her right in and ended that match quick. So, All right, and these next two that all grouped together, they're from the same pay-per-view. It was that Money in the Bank 2018 in Chicago. Uh it was the women's Money in the Bank ladder match that Alexa Bliss won. Uh, this match is really entertaining. I liked it a lot, and uh, Alexa Bliss winning was... Kind of a surprise, kind of not, because she was still at the point where you can kind of believe that she'll end up sneaking through any type of match. She had already won the title about four times, I think, by by here, and then she ended up winning Money in the Bank, and she would go on later in the show to cash in uh, during the Nia Jackson Ronda Rousey match, which I had next on the list. So I kind of grouped those together. The match was good in itself with Ronda Rousey going against Nia Jax. Uh, she sold really well for Nia. She was Strong enough to hoist her up and do some of her power moves and her arm throws and everything. So it was really impressive and the crowd was really into it. And then Alexa Bliss cashing in was pretty shocking. So that's always a good moment. And I am biased, I have to admit, towards these matches because I was at the show. I did go to Chicago. I'm from Omaha and I traveled there to see this Money in the Bank and then NXT take over Chicago. So that was a great weekend, a couple of good shows, and that was cool seeing that live. Next, we have Victoria versus Trish Stratus in a hardcore match at Survivor Series 2002. So that was really good. They were definitely by far the best women's wrestlers back then, and they kind of let them go and have some big matches. So that was a that was one in the early 2000s, where about 2001, 2002, they kind of started having some better matches in the women's division. Uh, next were a couple first-round matches from the May Young Classic. <clears throat> Wait, We had uh, Kari Sane versus Tessa Blanchard. Now, this was a great match, and they were both two favorites once you saw the list of the tournament. Um, and so they were two of the favorites, and then they were wrestling each other in the first round. So as great as it was to see that right away, it was still a bummer to see one of them have to lose, and that was Tessa Blanchard, who is, right now, two years later, she's one of the best women wrestlers in the world, you know, there's a lot of talent in WWE, and she's definitely the best one outside it. And it's uh, it's really a crime that she's not in WWE. They had her here; they had a good look at her. She's got the bloodline, and so she's great. I I'm a really big fan of her, so I'm sure she'll come around someday. But she's dominating on Impact and Women of Wrestling and all other independent programs. So good for her. Then the other that other first round match we had Piper Nevin versus Santana Garrett. This was an Unbelievable match. Santana Garrett, I've only seen probably maybe once or twice before. She did a couple stints in NXT and never really seen any of her indie stuff, but I've heard of her before and she's got a great look. She's definitely got that Wonder Woman kind of look with her gear and everything, and she's got the All American woman look and she's got good size and everything. And then Piper Evan. I believe she's from, she might be from Scotland, correct me if I'm wrong, she's from the UK. And um, she's kind of a bigger girl, but she, you know, she's still looks pretty nice and she is pretty athletic and had a lot of great moves and they had a lot of great false finishes. This was a hell of a match. I was really impressed and I'd like to see both of them um, in WWE one day. Next is Lita versus Mickie James at Survivor Series 2006. And this was uh, Lita's retirement match. And so this was a really good match. Uh, Lita and Trish had a match uh earlier in the year which we're gonna talk about. And so this was the year that both Lita and Trish retired and kinda had some nice send-off matches. So this was this is one of them. This is really good. This one's kind of a little hidden gem match. It's uh Michelle McCool versus Molina at Night of Champions two thousand nine. This is uh This was a really creative match, especially for the women. And this one just always stood out to me. And Michelle McCool, you know, she's a good heel. And, you know, she can wrestle, of course. But I've never really been too much of a fan of her. And Melina, I've liked. I think she's got a good look and style. And um, so they wrestled here. This is another year where the women's division kind of picked up, kind of in the, you know, mid-2000s and such. They kind of had a couple you know, up and down years around this time period and this was a, a an up one with these two and so they had a really good little creative match. They did a lot of moves on the apron and outside the ring and on the Barricade, I remember, and so they did a lot of creative stuff and I always enjoyed this match. Alright, next we have um Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series, uh late last year in two thousand eighteen. This was a uh the match that got changed. It was supposed to be Becky Lynch, and then we know what happens. Nia Jax uh, broke her nose, and she had to be removed from the in this match and enter Charlotte Flair, and that kind of got her involved with this whole story, and this kind of made the triple threat storyline happen right here. You know, this is the match that was pegged, you know, way, way back that was going to main event WrestleMania coming up, so they kind of had to do it a little early, and it was a great, great match but through this came the rivalry with Becky Lynch and that kind of snowballed that whole storyline. And, um, and then earlier, or last year, almost a year ago, we had Charlotte versus Asuka at WrestleMania 34 for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And this was a great match too. And this would end the streak of Asuka, and Charlotte would win the Women's Championship. And then rounding out, uh, at number 21 before we get to our top 20 we had charlotte versus sasha banks versus becky lynch and this was for the women's championship at wrestlemania 32. Um, this was the best match at this wrestlemania i really don't remember too much from this wrestlemania it was kind of a down one it was in dallas it was in the big stadium definitely great atmosphere the main event was roman reigns and triple h really wasn't too into that one and um So, I just remember this one being, you know, by far the best match. And um, there will be another triple threat match in their future. And that is the notable mentions outside our top 20 for our best matches in women's history. And next will be the top 20. And now it's time for the top 20. And so, here at number 20 we might have cheated a little bit. I wanted to put this one in the middle of my notables in my list, and it so happen to land at number 20, so it's going to be number 20, so we have a nice round number here, and it's uh, the match from WrestleMania last year. It was Triple H and Stephanie McMahon versus Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey. Now, yeah, Kurt Angle and Triple H are in the match, but they're Triple H was involved actually pretty well because that was a lot of the big pops of the match was when Ronda Rousey was wrestling against him, so but I mean this is definitely remembered for the performance of Ronda Rousey. Her first match and she totally impressed. You know, you can tell you know, it was her first match but you could tell it was, you know, pretty uh pretty worked out well to do exactly what she needed to do. And the crowd ate it up, and Stephanie was awesome. So this is mostly like Stephanie versus Ronda. And Stephanie played her part really well, too. And um, so, I mean, that's going to be a match that's remembered. That was probably the best match for that WrestleMania. At 19, we have Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch for the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver Unstoppable in 2015. This was Becky's breakout match. She kind of... They, the, uh, they had a four-way match, which is going to be later on this list and you know Becky was fine in that too but this was kind of her solo breakout match Uh, she was still kind of trying to find herself a little bit as a character she didn't have her uh, she didn't have her steampunk look yet or anything and definitely was far from being the man but she had a match with Sasha Banks for the title Sasha kind of just won it earlier in the year and she was pretty hot at the time so it was a good opponent for Sasha to, to beat. And this is a good opportunity for Lynch to have a one-on-one match uh, in a, uh, on a TakeOver event. So this is her first big match. Next, uh, we have Paige versus Emma. This is for the NXT Women's Championship at NXT Arrival in 2014. This was the very first NXT uh, event. It wasn't even TakeOver yet. It was Arrival. And, uh, so this stood out. This was the first match on the show too, I believe. Or, no, I think it was Cesaro and Sami Zayn, I believe they had a match. But anyway, nonetheless, this was the first women's championship match. This was the inaugural championship match. And it was really impressive. You know, I liked Paige right away when she came out. Duh super good looking, but no, of course she's a great wrestler, a lifelong wrestler and I just liked her she kind of was doing the anti-diva gimmick and it was just good and fresh and she had a really aggressive style and Emma was really good herself this is a little before she was kind of acting goofy and stuff so that personality, but she was a good wrestler and they had a great match and so this will always be remembered in the first takeover event Next, we have at 17, we have Asuka versus Mickie James at uh, TakeOver Toronto in 2016. This was Mickie James' return match after her long layoff from the WWE. And, you know, she's an all timer in the WWE in the mid 2000s. She went off to TNA and Impact for a long while. And uh, then she stopped wrestling for a while. She had uh, family and kids. And then she got back in great shape, probably the best shape of her life, and made her return to NXT and wrestled Asuka. It was kind of a special match, and it was really good. It was really good. Uh, Asuka was in the middle of her dominant run, and it was just a good new opponent with a big name to have at this TakeOver event. Next is Asuka versus Nia Jax at TakeOver The End in 2016. This was a little before that Mickey James match. And this is right after, this might have been Asuka's first match since she won the NXT title at TakeOver. And she wrestled Nia Jax, who is an imposing force, and she was kind of still getting going a little bit. But she was still pretty good in NXT. Um, Not a whole lot of people thought she was ready yet, even back then. Some say now even still, which is crazy. But um, she still was good. They still you know, positioned her to look pretty dominant with, uh, while being limited, even though she did just as much as, uh, as anyone else. So I uh, just remember this being a pretty good uh, competitive match. It was a tough match and a good win for Asuka. And next, we're kind of going backwards on Asuka's run here. This was uh, number 15. It's Bailey versus Asuka. We're not really going backwards because this is ranked the highest. And this is when uh, Asuka won the... NXT Women's Championship from Bailey at Takeover Dallas in 2016. And this was a great match. Bailey was, you know, as popular as ever. Uh, All the other horse women went, got called up to the roster earlier in the year, and so she was left kind of by herself. But she was ended up being the Women's Champion, and then um, when she beat Sasha Banks. And then she went on and had a nice little run and then she ran to the Buzzsaw Oscar. And this is when Oscar finally won the championship and would continue her crazy undefeated run. And another Oscar, along with Nikki Cross and the Iconics. This is a fatal four-way match for the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver San Antonio in 2017. This was a really fun match. Um, I remember they kind of brawled out to the aisle and over to the announce table and they took Nikki out uh with an with a big uh with a big bump there. I get that mixed up that match and then Asuka and Nikki had a last woman standing match soon after this and I remember they did a big suplex spot through the table. That was crazy. I forget if it was here or on that match, but nonetheless, uh she was taken out and it was so good even when you didn't think uh, Peyton Royce or Billy Kay had a shot in the world There was a, a couple sequences Where Peyton hit uh, Asuka with the Widowmaker Which is one of my favorite moves That's always been one of my favorite moves That Victoria used to do And Peyton does it sometimes And she hit it on Asuka And it really seemed like that she was going to win the match It was crazy, even for the slightest moment To even think that it's a job well done In a well-booked match But uh, Asuka would defy the odds And keep going on her long run <clears throat> Next here we have this is uh ten, eleven, twelve, number twelve here is or sorry, number thirteen, is Bailey versus Nia Jax at TakeOver London in 2015. This was one of Bailey's first title defenses after she won the title and she take on Nia Jax. And uh just like Oscar earlier, Nia Jax just the big force and makes the champion look like the underdog with the size difference. And this is a great match. I mean, I'll have it higher than the other one, of course. I just remember um, Nia was dominating the match towards the end and she hit almost 10 leg drops in a row on the back of Bailey's head. And it was crazy. And Bailey ended up kicking out and she would hang on and she would choke out Nia Jax with a front uh, dragon sleeper she kind of had it on her for a long time. So it was a really good finish. Really good, believable finish. At number 12, we had the first Women's Royal Rumble. And um, that was in 2018. And they kind of had a lot of pressure on them. It was something that seemed like it was wanted. And he had enough talent to pull it off. And it just made sense. And it's happening every year and it's pretty great and the first one uh, was really good it was I mean out of two it was the best one so far and uh had a lot of had a lot of old names in it a couple call-ups it's a good way to kind of showcase some of the nXE talent get some old names back uh even though they've kind of run through them, uh, most of them to have too too many surprises um this was the first year of it so it was uh the time to do it. But the ending came when the final three were the Bella Twins and Asuka. So they kind of tried to play that all up, that Asuka was uh, the underdog going two-on-one. And uh, she would end up eliminating Brie Bella, and it would come down to her and Nikki, and they had a nice exchange on the apron uh, to try to eliminate each other. And it was Asuka who ended up winning and being the first ever women's Royal Rumble winner. And at number eleven, we had the Four Horsewomen Fatal Four Way match way back at TakeOver Rival in 2015 with Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, and Bailey. And this was uh you know, we said earlier as a breakout match for Becky, seeing she can hang with all these guys. Uh Charlotte was a champion going into it. Bailey was the uh up and coming babyface getting a lot of getting a lot of traction with the fan and Sasha was uh, this was Sasha's ratchet days she was a pretty hated heel she kind of just turned into this character and she was you know still had some pretty good heat on her before she kind of started becoming popular for how good she was being but so it was good it was just perfect timing for everybody and it was a great match and Sasha would end up winning the match and having her first title reign alright We've made it to the top 10, and um, <clears throat> at number 10, we have Bailey versus Sasha Banks, and this is the Iron Women's match for the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver Respect. And uh, this was coming off their great uh, Brooklyn match, which of course we're going to get to, and this was the rematch, and the only way to try to top it was to do the first ever Iron Women's match, and it was really good. It was really good. You know, it's it's hard because it's kind of lumped in there with the Brooklyn match. And, and then a lot of people would pick that match over this. But this was such a great match and such a great story. And it was well-deserved and, and really good. Really long for those days when these guys were having these kind of matches with each other. At number 9 is the TLC match from 2018. Uh, a few months ago, and it was Becky Lynch versus Oscar versus Charlotte. Mm. This was a great match. This is a great match, a lot of crazy spots, very innovative. Everybody was, well, Oscar was, you know, kind of not at her peak, but she was kind of still there, so it was nice to throw her in this match, and this was kind of right in the midst of, of uh, Charlotte and Becky Lynch's feud. This was really heating up at the time. It's Becky Lynch's first match back after she was supposed to wrestle at Survivor Series when she got her nose broken and that kind of started the whole, the whole man thing, with Becky Lynch. <clears throat> so this is really heated. So they did a lot of, a lot of big spots and uh, Ronda Rousey would come out and shove Becky Lynch and Charlotte off the ladder to further that triple threat feud, and Oscar would end up uh, winning the championship for the first time. At number eight is Charlotte versus Natalya for the NXT Women's Championship at Takeover in May of 2014. This is only the second Takeover event. I believe it even had a proper name. But this was a great match. This is a big match. This felt like a big match, even going in with both their lineage and how you know Natalia was a good way for Natalia to come back down to NXT to kind of have just a big name and veteran presence on the show, and so her and Charlotte was a natural feud, both with their you know fathers and families, you know two of the greats, and so it already felt like a big match. And then also, uh, Ric Flair and Bret Hart would both represent on the outside of the ring, so made it even feel that much bigger too. And it was just a great match. And it was one of those matches where after the show, you're kind of like, you know, that was that was the best match on the card. And then you kind of go back to some of the earlier ones. We had um, Emma and Paige. That was one of the early ones. And you're like, you know, that was a great match too. And it kind of opened your eyes and like, wow, you know, something's something's really brewing here. So that was one early on that really kind of got this the women's evolution rolling. Um, next, we have at number 7, we had Sasha Banks versus Charlotte. And this was the Hell in a Cell match for the Raw Women's Championship in 2016. This was at the height of their feud. They had already traded the title back and forth going back from SummerSlam a few months before. And they had a couple of those great matches on Raw. Like I said, um, their No Holds Barred match, and they had another regular, the first time Sasha won the title too, those two matches could easily be in this top 20. but So this is the, the Hell in a Cell match, and they were very creative. They used the cell, used a lot of different weapons. <clears throat> this match gets knocked by a lot of people because the finish was a little wonky um, when Charlotte was trying to suplex Sasha through the table. It seemed like a little bit of a flat finish, but it was so good overall that I can't dock it, and it was also put in the main event spot. So this was one of those matches where they're where they wanted to really feature it and headline it and I think it was really worthy and I still love the match obviously I have a number 7 here. Number 6 is Trish Stratus versus Mickey James. This is uh for the Women's Championship at WrestleMania 22 in 2006. You know, this was this was one of the best feuds going into a WrestleMania on top of the match was great in itself. A lot of innovative moves and good storytelling and stuff. And um, and so that kind of makes the total package. Yeah, the feud and build up and everything can add to its ranking also I believe. So this is a great story going in. Mickey James is new and it was kind of idolizing Trish Stratus and then so much where she became kind of a stalker. She had this crazy gimmick and it was it was done really well. You know, Trish Stratus is you know, a, a legend, you know, at the time. So it was a good new opponent for her to wrestle, and it was a, uh, it was one of the biggest matches, one of the biggest women's matches ever going into it at the time. There wasn't too many singles women's matches at WrestleMania prior to this, so it was big enough to have a featured spot on a pretty packed, good pay per view, especially for WrestleMania. So the match itself, the atmosphere was great. It was in Chicago, and the crowd kind of started. Turning and cheering for Mickey as the match is going on because of her gimmick and how you know well she was doing and how new and fresh she was so she was catching on with the crowd While you know Trish Stratus is at her legend status here so it's really quite a dynamic all right and now our top five number five is uh, a Lunder plays versus Bull Nakado for the women's championship and this is way back at SummerSlam 1994 now, I've always loved this match. You know, I was probably like... I had to have been around 10 years old when this match is on, and uh, it always stuck with me. Because I, this was another one. There's not many women's matches that I've seen going into this. And, you know, I enjoyed anything that was good, and this was just a great match. Um, not many opponents were all Blaze around this time, but she was good. But Boldecato was really something. She was special. She... She was great. She, you know, had high flying moves, hard strikes, good submissions. This is a pretty modern match. Like this match holds up well. I watched it, you know, probably a year ago or so, and it still holds up pretty well. So that's why it's at number five. Number four is Becky Lynch versus Charlotte. This is the last woman standing match at Evolution, the all women's pay per view. And this was right before that TLC match, but this was so good. This was so great. They they had lots of innovative spots and huge things with the with the weapons and stuff. And you now this didn't main event that show, but it it definitely should have, especially seeing where we're at now. Um, I guess Ronda Rousey's still involved in that feud, so she at least main evented. But it was versus Nikki Bella, and that wasn't too bad of a match. But this was um, at the height of their feud, and they just had a great match. It went all out in this one. And number three is from Takeover Brooklyn in 2017, and this was Asuka versus Ember Moon. And at this time, Oscar is 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 really untouchable, and she's uh, had this undefeated streak and for a few years, and hasn't lost in NXT. And then she's there kind of turning her character a little bit. So where she's kinda a little more cocky and confident and comfortable where she's at and big time and so she's kinda turning heel a little bit while we have the this new competitor, Ember Moon, who's kinda coming up through the ranks and she's got a great look and really athletic and powerful and so she's coming along and they're meeting for this championship match. And this was just an unbelievable match. This was, you know, a rare time where it seemed like Asuka was gonna lose. They they started off hot. The crowd was into it. There was one spot where... Um, well, first, Ember Moon hit her, her finisher, the Eclipse, that top rope stunner. And Asuka sold it great, and that was a nice near fall. And then later in the match, um, I forgot what Asuka had done, but she would taken out Ember, and she thought she was going to win the match, and she was arguing with the referee. And just right into the frame... Uh, Ember Moon hits this wicked super kick and the crowd goes nuts and she goes for the cover and it's a false finish and they, there was just so many moments like that. It felt like a huge match as the match is going on you thought Ember was gonna moon gonna Ember Moon Ember was gonna win. And you're really rooting for her as much as we all still like Asuka, she was still the heel in the role. It was just kinda it was done so well. Where you're really going for Ember in this match and so it, it was amazing. Number two, we have Lita versus Trish Stratus. And this is at Unforgiven 2006. This is uh, Trish's retirement match. It was in Toronto, and the crowd is going bonkers for her. She was very emotional coming out. It just felt like a huge moment and uh, going against her longtime rival, Lita, who was the women's champion going into it. And it was just built up pretty well. Lita was a pretty big heel. For the last few years aligning herself with Edge. So this is a great dynamic. And um, it was just a great sendoff for Trish. They did a lot of good moves. And it ended with a sharpshooter. Which was still super over. Before you know Bret Hart still hadn't been back in WWE. So anytime a sharpshooter was done. By a Canadian in Canada. It, it got over big. So it was a good way for her to go out. She'd win the title. She'd win it for the 7th time. And that would be a record. And um. It was just a overall great send-off for her for the great career she had. And number one, it's Sasha Banks. It's Bayley. It's a women's championship, and it's at Brooklyn. You you knew where it was at. Takeover Brooklyn, Sasha Banks and Bayley. This is just, you know, I look at all of them, and I think about the history of some. You know, you have your Lita's and Trishes going in history. A lot of these current ones are even starting to creep up. There's a lot from the takeovers the last two years with uh, Oscar, and then Becky Lynch and Charlotte now this year. But this match, this match just had everything. It had a great heel, a great baby face, a great story, a great atmosphere. Just Two great competitors that were creative and really show why they always talk about loving the business. They just knew they knew what needed to be done here. And it just felt like a a humongous match. They did so many great spots. They had a great story with the injured hand of Bailey. I just loved when Sasha had the bank statement on and Bailey was reaching for the rope and Sasha was stomping her hand after that had been worked on earlier in the match. It was just great callback. Great moment. The crowd went crazy for it. Um, And uh, yeah, there's just so many near falls by both of them. And then the, the finish was was just nuts with Bailey hitting the backwards hurricanrana off the top rope. Crowds going nuts. Bailey's up on her feet, getting the crowd into it, and then she hits the Bailey to belly really big. One, two, three, and then that was Bailey's uh, crowning moment in a hell of a match. And I can't think of a better match than that one. So that's why it is at number one. Alright, we're going to try something a live watch-along. Um, I've got uh, Naito and Ibushi wrestling right now for the New Japan Cup. This aired on Access on Friday, on uh, March 20th. Wow, way off. 22nd. Naito's on the... Standing on the top rope with Ibushi crouched down on the second rope in the corner. Looks like he's going to try to suplex him off, Naito, from behind. Ibushi just cut. Oh. (laughs) Just cut Naito's legs down and he's hanging sideways on the rope. Now he's sitting on the apron. Ibushi's on the top rope. Oh my god, he might stomp him or do his rope suplex. Now Ibushi's in the middle rope, in the middle. Yeah, he's gonna go for that dragon's or that German or dragon suplex from the, from the apron. Swan dive German Rocky said, "Oh, he's picking up Naito." Oh, just slapped it beefy right in the head. He's crouched over the top rope. Uh oh. I'm kind of in a tombstone position on the apron. Naito does. Oh, he twisted around. He's still on the apron. Oh! He went down... He went down really fast. He did it kind of like a pile driver though. Kind of like the Owen Hart and Stone Cold one when he broke his neck. Oh man, that was brutal. Thank you, Rocky. Oh. Oh, Night Gloria's signature move. Oh, <laughs> Bushi kicked out. I figured he would, but man, he got. He got killed on the apron. Gonna look for Destino! Setting up for it. Oh, Bushi's caught him kind of in a tube zone. Uh Uh-oh, he's gonna cradle him. Naito's trying to fight out. Oh! Oh! Kind of did that cradle... package tombstone. Oh my god. Right on Naito's neck. Nice two count. Japan Cup. tournament bout sold the building out has got everybody talking but one price victory for Ibushi it's storytelling and Kevin Kelly first wow first round. this is nuts so, yeah I guess you can say they beat each other up enough whoever wins if they go out early if they don't win. All right, here we go. Oh! Bushy just... he's got wicked kicks, he just hit a spinning kick right into his gut super fast. Oh! Tornado DDT, Naito off the rope, signature, setting him up. Oh! Bushi with a wicked clothesline. Powerbomb. Last ride. Sit out. No. Oh, two count. Doesn't win with that very often. Still a great move. He does it really good. Like you think Undertaker doing that move. But he really spikes him down. And But he does a sit out though. They're both down. Crowd's buzzing. I always love that flow of that. Japanese crowd They start off pretty silent, and they're all on the same page too. There's no one just yelling obscenities and anything Oh, We kind of got a weird destino Oh, he kicked out. Yeah, he didn't quite get it. He did it kind of like uh, out of a hurricanrana. That was still pretty impressive Yeah, now the crowds getting loud this is when the Japanese crowds start getting loud. I just like how it builds and builds. No! Oh! Big kick by Ibushi. He's trying for the Destino again. Uh oh. Ibushi's setting him up. He's gonna, gonna blast him, maybe do a moonsault. Oh and they like a Kinshasa, yeah, Boma-yay. No. The Nakamura Kinshasa Bomaye knee. Damn. What the hell is it gonna take, Roxy, to get wind here, my God. turn up a little, see if we can hear it in the background. Double underhook. Oh my god. It dropped him right in his neck. Uh oh, the knee. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Wow. What a finish. Jeez. Ibushi won. About 21 minutes. Like, no doubt that was going to be a great match, and it was. First round match in this tournament. You kidding me? Wow, what a match that was. Tensue Naito and Kota Ibushi. New Japan. Yeah, those guys are two of my favorites. That was great. Alright, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, I feel like that's how the show is going to go. We'll do a a review of uh, current week. We'll do a ranking list. And then uh, we'll review an old match or maybe a whole event sometime. And uh, thanks for joining. I hope you guys come back.